But I want to be I want to be among you tonight, and I want to I want to teach this word that God has given me. I want to I want to entitle this too close. You're probably wondering, well, what in the world is he going to talk about? Too close. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 9, and we're going to read the entire chapter here in just a few moments. We're going to lay the foundation, and I want, to, I want to show you something tonight that's extremely important in our Christian walk. When I, when I, when I say too close, what I'm meaning is, is oftentimes we, in Christians, we as Christians, we get too close or too friendly with the enemy. Now listen to me carefully. The Bible says that the, that, that the devil is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. And let me tell you something. He, he is going to use every single avenue that he has available to him. And we're going to get into the word. O- open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 9. I know it's lengthy. It's 27 verses, and we're going to read it all. But I, I've got to set a foundation. I've got to set us up for what I'm talking about here because we see the Israelites here, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of four, four uh, um, uh, buildup here of, of where we're at in Joshua chapter 9. In Joshua chapter 9, we are just after the, the, the Israelites had defeated this, the, the little town called Ai. And this is right after the Jericho walls had been defeated and, and, and the Jericho walls come down and the Israelites had come into the land called Canaan. This is the land that God had promised them. And then we, we come into Joshua chapter 9, and I, I want to read this because this is really going to set us up for what happened in Joshua chapter 9 with the Gibeonites. Uh, now, there, there, are, there are several different uh, uh, groups of people here that, that draw themselves together and call themselves the Gibeonites here, and they do something extremely extraordinary with the Israelites to make sure that they will stay alive. So let's read this. Chapter 9 says, And it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the, H- the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. That they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal and said to him, to the, uh, to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country, now therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you, and where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to take to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants, now therefore make a covenant with us. 
This bread of ours we took hot for our provision, but but our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which were filled with new, and see they are torn. And these are our garments, and our sandals have become old and because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Shephira, Beeroth, and kirjath Jerim. But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord of God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you dwell near us? Now, therefore, you are cursed. And none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses and the inhabitants of the land from before you, therefore you were very much afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to do to us. So he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, God, and I pray, Lord, that as we begin to open up the word of God, as we begin to understand what you would have us to hear your word say tonight, God, that you would bless the word. I pray, God, that you would anoint the word, Lord, for it is not my word, God, but it is yours. And, Father, I just pray right now that the word would go forth and sit on, on good ear, on good fertile ground. And, God, we just pray these blessings in your name. Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Listen, observers have noted that certain kinds of ants have a passion for the sweet granular substance given off by the caterpillar of a large blue butterfly. There's a large blue butterfly that, that secretes a, a glandular, uh, a granular uh, substance that these ants absolutely love. They can become so addicted to it that they even seek out the supplier. They seek out this, this uh, caterpillar, and they carry them to their, ne- their nest with delight. But they unwittingly bring home an enemy in disguise. For the caterpillar gorges himself exclusively on ant larvae. Usually such a threat for a colony would be repelled with great vigor. But the adults enjoy the tasty secretions of the guest, the guest, so much that they are oblivious to the fact that their young are being devoured in the process. Now I want you to understand something today. That we as Christians often get this same desire, desired way. Oftentimes we, 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 we lust after the things of the enemy so to the fact that we actually carry it into our 
households. When we don't even realize that what the enemy is actually doing is doing what he said in the word and he is devouring the very thing that we have tried to set before us. You see, oftentimes we Christians wonder what in the world is going on in our lives. Why in the world we're facing heartache and trouble and trial. I want to tell you something. A lot of times it's because we have become too close to the enemy. We've allowed the enemy to become friends with us. We've allowed the enemies just to be like the Gibeonites there, and we have allowed them to, to, to get us to a point where we say, everything is okay. We're going to have a covenant with you. Now, this is a very, very troubling place to be. Can you turn those lights down, just dim them just a little bit? This is a very troubling place to be. Because you see, sometimes we have no idea that we're even there. And it's absolutely amazing because, I mean, it's just at the point where we're just, we're just loving life, living life. We just think that we are, we are, we're in our word, we're in our Bible, we're reading. But the problem is, is that we've given an inch to the, to the person who wants to destroy our very beings. Now, the Israelites here, they've, they've just come over some extreme victories. Now, I don't know about you, but all of us have faced trials and tribulations in our life. And even, there are those of us that have even come, come across some great victories and some great, some great overcoming things in our life. But just right after you overcome a great victory, there's always going to be another battle. You see, when the Israelites had, had faced uh, um, uh, Jericho and Ai... That, those were great victories that they had. Ai was a smaller city than Jericho, but, but the Jericho walls, that was a, that was a great victory. They were, they were victorious. They were living in, in, in the land of Canaan. They were, doing, they, they, were, they were given the promised land that God had promised them, and now they're, 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 uh, they're walking in the delight of the Lord. And all of a sudden, they, they become blinded by what's going on around them. And, and, and they're getting ready to move forward into other cities that they were going to go to and to overcome those cities in the land of Canaan. So when they did that, there was, there was something uh, special that happened here. You see, these were, these were impressive victories. But they're about to learn an extreme lesson in becoming too close to the enemy. They're about to learn something that they had never learned before. You see, but there's a battle that we're waging every day, and that battle is against the enemy. We're not, the Bible says that we don't, we don't wage war against the, the flesh, but we, we wage war against principalities, you know, um, uh, princes of the air, you know, uh, things that, that we don't want to, to wage war with. Those are the battles that we're doing. Satan is trying to destroy us every day. They be, and the, the Israelites here became friendly with their, uh, with their enemy here, and we're going to see how. We're going to go through this, this chapter and, and kind of just build this foundation. I want to show you something. There are, there are three things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through tonight that, that we're going to talk about. The enemy can be deceptive. Then we're going to talk about the enemy can be disruptive. Then we're going to talk about the enemy can be defeated. We know that the enemy can be defeated. Is that all right? Amen? You see, when the Israelites had, had done defeated Ai, all the kings in Canaan heard of this, and they decided to get together. Isn't it like the devil to get together when he wants to come and fight you? When he wants to come and he wants to defeat you, he, he doesn't try to do it all on his own. But all of a sudden, he dispatches a host of, of demons and a, a host of, of principalities to come against you. You know, it's just, like, uh, it's, it's just like Jesus. You know, when Jesus was getting ready to be uh, crucified on the cross, or when he, when he was in the, in the garden, what did they do? The Pharisees and the Herodians, they, ha they hated each other. 
But they came together for one purpose, and that one purpose was to defeat Jesus. You know, the Pharisees, and, and, and uh, uh, they used deceptive wiles. What are deceptive wiles? What are the wiles of the enemy? Wiles are, is deceit, trickery, or cunning arts. The Gibeonites devised a scheme to trick Israel into making a peace treaty with them. They got together and they started talking amongst themselves. What can we do to defeat the Israelites? What can we do to make sure that they don't come in and they don't kill us? They don't, they don't, they don't overcome our cities. They devised a scheme. They used the wiles. Just like the enemy, Satan would like nothing better than to trip you up. Just like they tripped up the Israelites, Satan wants nothing better than to trip you up, get you off of your guard. You see, that's what the Gibeonites were doing. They were getting the, the Israelites off their guard. They were getting them thinking about something else instead of thinking about the, uh, about the Lord. They were getting them thinking upon the things of the world instead of thinking about, uh, about the Lord. They were moving in a different way. They were, they were using trickery. They were, they, were, they were very good at what they were doing. They were deceptive. You know, we, we look at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were sitting there uh, uh, right next to the tree of, of, of good and evil. And all of a sudden, old Satan, Sleuthfoot himself, comes up in the form of a snake, and he starts talking to, to Eve. You know, it's just like that. You know, he, he, uses, he uses ways to, to, to get us to understand what he wants. Getting too close to the enemy. The Israelites were getting too close to the Gibeonites. They were blinded by, by who they were. He will use wares. Not only will he use wiles, but he'll use wares. What are wares? Wares are physical things that they use. Let's look at what the Gibeonites did here. The Gibeonites did something extremely, extremely special here. You know, they weren't too far off. They were only about, about half a day's travel from where the, where the Israelites were at this time. You know, so if they would have wore their fresh clothes, if they would have wore their fresh sandals, if they would have put their new wine skins on the donkey, if they, if they would have done everything like that and they would have come to them, then, then uh, Joshua and the Israelites would have said, uh-oh, something's up. You know, but they decided not to do that. They decided to make sure that they, they, they waited a few days until everything was worn out. They waited so that, they, that when, they, when they met up with the Israelites, it would appear, let me say it again, it would appear as though they had traveled a far way off. It would appear as though they were telling the truth. It would appear as if, they had, as if the, the, the time had passed so long to let the bread mold, to let their sandals become weary, to let their clothing to become weary. You see, Satan is out there. He's using wares. I don't know about you, but when I, when I get into those times when, when, I, when I'm, I've just overcome a, a good battle and all of a sudden, what does Satan do? He, he automatically starts giving you images in your mind, does he not? He starts putting those things that you have fought, those battles that you have, have conquered. He puts those up in your mind. He uses those wares, those physical things that you, that you look at to, to try to trip you up and to get you to move in his direction. Satan doesn't come to you in a red suit with a pointy tail and horns on his head. He's not going to do that. Why? Because that gives him up. But he's going to come to you with trickery, with wares. He's very good at making his plan appear to be the best thing in your life. He's making things look so good to you. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I like food. You know, I, I, you could tell. I like food. You know, so when, when, when you know, food is, is, is the best thing in my life, I think, right now. I mean, I just love to eat. I've gained so much weight since I've been here. It's ridiculous. You know, but the, isn't it just like Satan to do that, to take something that you're tempted with and, and to portray that to you and to make that look great? You know, I mean, even the worst cook 
in the world. He can make that look great. He's using wares. He's using things that are physical to our eyes. But the problem is, is that we haven't aligned ourselves with the Word of God. We haven't aligned ourselves with what the Word says, so we, we become ignorant of, of the wares and the wiles of the enemy. We, we become ignorant to his tactics. You see, his tactics are smart. He, the devil is not stupid by no means. He is very smart. He is very cunning. He is very keen. He's got a great eye to see exactly what, what your weaknesses are, to see what your, foul, your, your, uh, your follies are, to see everything that he can do to overcome overcome you but we've got to be aligned with the word of God we've got to be on our toes on our feet we've got to have our head on a swivel that we're, we're always watching what the devil's trying to do and he and and then he uses deceptive words you know if, if the Gibeonites would have come up to the Israelites and they had never said a word I think that the, that the Israelites would have figured out who they were and they probably would have went ahead and defeated them but no they came with a word to tell them and they, they, they cunningly lied to the Israelites. They said, we're from afar off. And listen to what they said. They said, God sent us. That's what they told them. You know, I mean, if you look at the, at the word when Jesus was tempted on the mount, Satan came to Jesus with the word. He twisted the word of God and used the word of God against him to, to tempt him. Isn't it just like him to do that with us? When, we, when we're on the highest of high and, and our guards are up, and all of a sudden he comes in like a flood and he starts twisting the word of God trying to get us to, to falter on what we know and, and what is true and what is holy. They, he uses words. The Gibeonites lied. They were good liars. They made the Israelites believe them. Satan is a liar. He's the father of the lies. He is crafty. He desires to gain an advantage over us by getting us to believe his lies. Satan doesn't want us to have the advantage. He wants to have the advantage. And just like the Israelites in this scripture, they, they had an advantage until the, the Gibeonites came and they lied to them. And, you know, uh, Joshua even questioned them one time. And he, and, and, but see, he, the problem was is that he didn't keep on questioning them. He didn't keep on testing the spirits. But what he did is he believed their lie because they were so cunning and craftily in showing him and proving to him the lie. So we know that the enemy can be deceptive. We also know that the enemy can be disruptive. We say, how in the world can he be disruptive? I want you, I want you to see something here. The Israelites' ability to see clearly was disrupted. Oftentimes when we get at our highest of high, when we get to the point where we're on the mountaintop, all of a sudden our vision becomes distracted. Our vision, our clarity becomes unclear. We, we, we begin to, to be at the point where we are no longer seeing. See, Joshua was skeptical, but he gave in too early because the Gibeonites set a trap of enticement and the Israelites fell into it. You see, Satan shows us things that look too good to be true. Satan is so good at what he does, he makes it look too good. But the problem is, is that our clarity is not there, and begin to, we begin to believe what, what is too good to be true. The problem is, is we can't see past it. We can't see past what is, what, what, is, uh, what Satan is trying to do. We can't see past the wiles and the wares of the enemy. We can't see past them because, because we've just been, we've just been uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? Never mind. We're, we're just dumbfounded by the fact of how good it is. We're just, you know, and, and that's, that's the way we get in our lives. You know, oftentimes we see things that are on TV and it's like, oh, that's good. I'm going to order that. 
I mean, how, how many of you have been, I, I've done this, and, and don't, you know, it's, it's weird, but, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're flipping through the channels and you see, you see a new workout program. You're like, oh, man, I've tried every workout program in the world. But you know what? This one looks awesome. Then you order it for your wife because she asked for it for her birthday. And, and, then, it's, it, and then it sits in, in the cabinet growing dust on it and never comes out of the closet and being used. That's money that you've spent and you've done been tricked. That's just the way the enemy works. You know, he's always putting stuff before you. Always. He's always trying to trip you up and to get you to fall. He's trying to get you to, to, to move out of, of what he has, or move towards what he has for you. We have the word and we have the Holy Ghost to help us to discern the traps of the enemy. Not only was their, their ability to see clearly was disrupted, but their ability to seek counsel was disrupted. You see, one thing that the Israelites were good at is going before the Lord. When they, were, when they were at the walls of Jericho, what did they do? Joshua stopped, and he said, we need to take this before the Lord. And they began to pray, and they began to worship. And then, jo- and then Joshua began to receive a word from the Lord. But when the, Gib- when the Gibeonites came to them, and, and, and they began to, to do this thing, the Israelites decided, oh, we're not going to go before the Lord this time because it looks so good. We, I mean, the, how can they be wrong? Their, their clothes are ratty. Their sandals are ratty. Everything they've done is ratty. So, so why should we even go before the Lord? It looks too good. It looks great. They are who they say they are. The problem is, is that our eyes become blinded to that. And we no longer can go to the Lord because everything looks so good. You know, when we're, when we're out there fighting the enemy and he puts, you know, uh, temptations in front of us. It's too good to be true, so we, we forget to go before the Lord. You know, when, when, we, when we need a new car and, and because our old car is, is broken down and, and it's going to cost us to get it fixed. And instead of just spending the money to get it fixed, we go to the dealership and we find a brand new car. We pay for that car and, and all of a sudden we find ourselves further in debt than what we were. And it's not something that we really needed. It's not something that God really had for us. It wasn't really the plan of God. You see, everything that God has is a plan and a will for us. And when we get to this point where we, when we, we neglect to talk to him about it then we begin to step out of the will of God and we begin to step out of the will of God then the enemy begins to take over the enemy get, begins to come in like a flood and he said ha ha I got you now so now he's going to keep on going he's, it's going to become a steamroller and he's going to keep on moving and keep on working and next thing you know you've got 10 items sitting in your driveway that you, you have no money to pay for I, I, I'll be honest with you I've been there and, you know I, I'm, I'm an impulsive buyer I, I, know, I know what it means you know, I mean, you can ask my wife. She says sometimes I should be a dealership because I trade cars probably more than I trade anything else. You know, but, but that's the way the enemy works. You know, as he gets us off track of praying about things, of, of getting before the Lord and talking to the Lord, how often do, do, we say, do we see good things and just go for it without seeking God's counsel? You know, we have to seek God's counsel. That is one of the quickest ways to be deceived is to forget about the Lord and just make decisions on our own. You know, and this, this doesn't just go for things. But this also goes for ministry. And it also goes for our callings. You see, because sometimes doors open, and just because a door is open doesn't mean necessarily that we should walk through that door. But sometimes we need to do exactly what we were singing about a while ago, and we need to wait upon the Lord. We need to wait for his counsel. We need to wait for him to tell us what to do. We need to, we need to wait for him to, to show up on the scene and begin to speak to us. You know, I, I could have I done so many different things in ministry. You know, uh, we could have been youth pastors in several different places. There were so many doors that opened 
opened up uh, in the past, and we decided not to walk through those doors. You know, and, and even when this door opened up, Christian and I, we didn't just say, okay, we'll go. We told the overseer that we were going to pray about it, and I, I went home and I talked to her about it. We began to pray about it. Now, the Lord didn't take very long. We didn't have to wait long, and he spoke to us. But, I, but I'm telling you, I, I didn't just do this thing. I didn't just say, yes, we'll go without the counsel of the Lord. I believe that if I had done that without the counsel of the Lord, that things would have gone just a little bit differently, and it wouldn't be the way it is right now. I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that everything would have, would have worked correctly in the plan of God if we hadn't had his counsel. If we hadn't prayed, you see, if the Israelites would have just stopped for a moment and they would have said, no, we're going to take this before the Lord before we do anything. If they would have just waited and they would have prayed to God, God would have revealed to them that who, who was at, at their front door was the enemy. And that with the enemy standing right in front of them, they could have defeated them easily with the Lord because they were the Lord's army. But no, they decided to not go with the Lord. Thirdly, we see that the enemy can be defeated. How many of you have ever been through a battle and de defeated the enemy with the, with the help of the Lord? You know, the enemy can be defeated. We do not have to live in misery. Far too long, the church has said we want to we live in misery. We, wanna just, we, we, we just want to allow the enemy to just keep on defeating us and defeating us and defeating us. But you know what happens when we allow the enemy to keep on going and to keep on going? All of a sudden, we find ourselves uh, outside of the church. We find ourselves no longer attending a church. Then we find ourselves backsliding on the Lord. Then we find ourselves right back in the same place we were before. You know, for, for myself, I would find myself, Brother, uh, Brother Lloyd, right back on the bar stool. You know, I would find myself right next to the people I used to hang out with, and I would be I'd be bellying them right back up to the bar stool and drinking those drinks and smoking those cigarettes and doing the things that I used to do. Why? Because that's a defeated life. I, I don't want to live a defeated life. The Israelites, they were living a defeated life for a moment, but all of a sudden there was something that they realized. They realized that these Gibeonites were not who they said they were. It says that three days later they realized who they were and that they were actually their neighbors in the Gibeonites. So they took it before the council. They took it before the rulers of the congregation. Joshua being the high ruler, the high priest. They took it before them and they said, we've already made covenant with them. You see, they made a covenant. Oh, Lord. How often have we seen Christian people make a covenant with the enemy? How often have, have we seen people without even knowing it? You see, when I read the story about the ants and the butterfly, the ants, may, they have made a covenant with that butterfly because they brought the butterfly in, or the caterpillar of the butterfly into their realm. I want to I talk a little bit here just for a moment. There are things that are in your home that you've allowed by making covenant with the enemy. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to dwell here for just a minute because I feel the Holy Spirit. There are some of us in this room, and I'm not saying some of you. I'm saying some of us, because me included. We need to take inventory of what is going on in our homes. We need to take inventory of what is going into our ears and into our eyeballs by our, t our television and our radio. We need to take an inventory of what we're putting into our heart and putting into our soul. Why are you saying this, Pastor? Because I believe that everything that we do makes a covenant with something. If we're listening to worship music, uh, music and watching things on television that edify God then we are continuing to make that covenant with God daily. But if we're putting things in our minds, we're putting things in our ears and putting things in our lives that aren't of God, I'm going to tell you right now, I, if, if you're watching, 
I may step on some toes right here, but I'm gonna be a pastor. If you're watching, uh, if you're watching movies on television that 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 are demonic, you are gonna bring demonic forces into your house. You are making a covenant with the, with the enemy. If you are listening to music that is not edifying to God, if you're listening to music that's talking about sex and talking about drugs and talking about alcohol, you are making a covenant with the enemy, and you are allowing the enemy, just like the Israelites did, that allowed the, or the ants do, they allow the butterfly to come into the caterpillar to come in you are doing the same thing you are allowing yourself to be in covenant with the enemy but i want you to know something that when you get rid of the covenant with the enemy and you begin to trust in the lord you begin to obey the lord and make a covenant with him there is a defeat that you can have over the enemy there is something that you can do to defeat the enemy and that is when we we begin to we begin to uh, have a a commission over the enemy you see joshua all of a sudden he had a commission over the enemy what did he say we're not going to kill you because we make covenant with you we're not going to destroy you because we make covenant with you but what we are going to do is we are going to take your land and we are going to make you slaves to us until the end and, and they, they told them they were there would be woodcutters and water carriers and that was all they were going to do in the land until the end of the day now if you read on in joshua go on i believe somewhere around chapter 12 or so as they continue to do that guess what happened to those slaves they became children of god They accepted the Lord, and they became part of the Israelites. Now, isn't that awesome? When we become, when we start to dedicate our lives to Christ instead of the enemy, when we begin to become to devote ourselves to God and make that covenant with God, and when we take commission over the enemy, the very things and the very people that the enemy are trying to push against us, we can win for the Lord by defeat, by defeating the enemy. You know, those people that that are telling you, hey, you know, just skip service one time and come to the bar with me. Just skip service one time and go play ball with me. Just do this one time and come do this with me and and something that's not edifying to the Lord but but when you defeat the enemy and you commission the enemy under your feet and you begin to speak ill against the enemy and defeat him those people are going to start seeing that you are you have defeated the enemy that you are conquerors to Christ and they're going to see what you have been doing and they're they're going to they're their mind's going to start wondering well what do they have that I don't have and they're going to start wanting to have what you got amen Not only is the enemy to be commissioned or confronted, but they are to be controlled. Even though they were deceived and made a mistake, they learned and took control over their enemy. How many of us in here make mistakes? Daily. Daily we make mistakes. You see, the Israelites didn't didn't knowingly sin. They didn't knowingly sin. They made a mistake. Oftentimes, when we make a mistake, we're, we're like, oh, my Lord, I, I, I just went against the Lord, and I, I shouldn't have done that. But mistakes are to be made. We, we're, we're flesh. You know, we, we don't go around intending to make mistakes. I'm sure the Israelites at this time didn't intend to make a mistake, but they did. But they realized their mistake, and they began to take control over the enemy. We need to, we need to learn how to take control over the enemy. How do we do that? We begin to rebuke the enemy. 
we, we begin to use the words just like the enemy uses against us. When you see Jesus, when he was on the mount being tempted by Satan, what did he do? He took the very word that Satan was using against him, and he put it right back at him, and he, he told the truth and told the word the way it really was, and he cast Satan down. We could do the very same thing. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood and starts using the word against you and twisting it up, we should have enough of the word hidden in our hearts that when, we, when he begins to fight us and he begins to get on us, we can, uh, we can just quote the word. We can say, through, Christ, through Jesus Christ, all things are impossible. We can start say, uh, saying uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse, uh, verse uh, 18, uh, you know, and, and all these things. We can just absolutely let the word deliver us from that. We've got to take control. See, there's forgiveness and restoration in God through the defeat of our enemy. When we defeat our enemy, you know how transparent I am. Back in 2010, the enemy was fighting me and my wife to the extent of us losing our marriage. But we overcame and defeated the enemy by saying enough is enough. We took control. You guys have just gone through that. You said enough is enough. We need to have forgiveness and restoration. You see, the, 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 the Israelites forgave the Gibeonites. And they allowed them to keep the covenant, but they still chose to bless them. Would you stand? Somebody go ahead and come to the piano and just play something.